Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 185. And in today's episode, again, because of our Arctic weather that we've had here, I'm not going to have anything newsworthy on the G update. We're still waiting for the ground to get uncovered. Although, I guess just south of here, there's no snow at all. So we kind of I don't know, we're just like the little frozen part of it. So nothing to report too much on that. Most of the work I've been doing with dogs, most of it is just indoors. Woe stuff and force fetch stuff. And and uh, you can do a lot with that, though. You know, you can just spend a lot of time on that. And that leads me right into uh, today's topic. And that is continuation of the, you know, getting to be just a little bit better trainer by looking at yourself a little more closely and maybe designing a little bit of a different approach this year, if you're open to that. Many people are not, they're happy just where they are. But anybody that's just curious about how to get just a little bit better. So the first one was talking about pay your dues, um, which I feel very strongly about. So if you're gonna do this stuff, then go do the hard part, go do the the, the grunt level work, well, I don't really think that's what it is, but, you know, go, go help people out, throw the birds, plant the blinds, rack the birds up, do whatever you can, but pay a lot of attention and just go pay your dues. I, I think if you put that level of energy into it, uh, you will get much more than that out. If that's not really your thing, then you're in this for what you're getting out of it versus what you can absorb and learn from it. So that was the first thing, and that's very important. Then the, the second thing was the documentation. Uh, one, to try and make your program somewhat cohesive, make it be somewhat planned out, and then kind of hold yourself accountable for what your plans are, how your execution was, how you're going to make your adjustments and continue forward. So, and doing that primarily through, uh, you could do voice recordings and stuff like that, but it's real easy when it's a visual and you can just kind of thumb through your pages. But to get a working journal, a working notebook where you, and again, I'll just review a little bit, where each day you write down what the objective of whatever it is you're doing today, even if it's a, like what I'm doing right now, heel and sit and hear up and down the, the aisleway in the building. Um, even something that, that simple and that seemingly confined, uh, can be very, very useful to you because dogs have to do, let me just give you an example. Dogs have to do things like basic obedience, period, wherever they are. You know, you want them to do it in regular life, walking down the street. You want them to do it when you're walking out to the hunting field with a bunch of other people, you want the dog to believe that they are working with you and that you have a very good understanding what that is. So training in an odd situation, like right now, for some of us that are indoors, teach them, hey, it still applies. You're going to go by all the kennels of these other dogs and they're licking at you and sniffing at you and trying to entice you and you just have to heal and sit and do stuff. So it's actually... Uh, you know, I'm going to find all the usefulness I can out of these training opportunities to say, yeah, no matter what. Seems odd to be going up and down the dorm rooms here um, doing this work, but that's what we're going to do today. So all of the work that you do with the dog has potential for a lot of value 
if you choose to look at it that way and approach it that way. And that's one of the things that your uh, notebook would help you do. So you, every day you would write down, this is what I'd like to do today. You know, write down if you were, if you were me, you know, and I'm having to do it indoors and it's really cold outside <laughs> and, and it's really, it's just an awkward situation. And then there's, we've got the heater going and the dogs are wanting to make some noise and get all excited. And, and so I'm going to just have the dogs continue to carry out what I'm teaching them despite unusual circumstances. And then, you know, things I might do or what I might be concerned about or some plans I've got with specific and individual dogs. Very, very helpful. So write down what your goals are and how you plan on doing that. I mean, the more detail you break this down, into which you break it down, it really, the more thought through before you do it, the better you're gonna do. You know, that's just true of anything. And so, it's like if you're going to drive from wherever you are to Cleveland, Ohio, you know, you might want to just check a couple maps and road closures and these kind of things before you go. And it's the same thing when you're training a dog. Don't just, whoa, let's just get going. Kind of make plan out, be thoughtful, take everything into account. That might seem like a not important thing. I think it's extremely important. And your dogs always reflect that how much attention to that level of stuff you give energy or pay attention. They, all, they reflect that entirely. So um, anyway, so write down what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. And then when you're done, you know, write down your observations. Your observations. Don't sit there and say, Fang is an idiot. <laughs> That's a judgment. That's an emotional thing. That doesn't, you know, might, you might really feel like that a little bit. But don't write that down. Write down your observations, you know. It, Fang was just very difficult, difficult to control. Didn't seem to be able to manage himself in a closed environment. Okay, write that stuff down. Again, not that judgment thing. I would not do that because that's your emotions of the moment. And then a little, tomorrow you aren't going to have that anymore. And you might have labeled that a little bit differently. So um, write down your observations and then what you, if you're, you know, in the, I still have the time, and write down, you know, therefore tomorrow what I think I'd like to do is come back and work some more on this or that, or I think I'm going to do something totally different because I don't think doing this repetitively is going to get me what I'm looking for. And write that stuff down. Um, write down again. Write down things that the dog did do well. Uh, write things that you did well. Write where... The dog needs an improvement. Write what you might do to improve what you're doing. Uh, if you're, you know, if you can shrink down to that detail, yeah, it's very useful. So that was the last one. So today, the on the third part of this, what I want to talk about is um, the observation part of this. So when we all are going to go train our dogs, all of us. You know, whether we just have our little one dog that we do or we have a couple or whether, you know, you go out and have a dozen or two dozen out there waiting for you, whatever it is. Okay, it's, it, you've got this job and you've got a certain amount of time. You know, if you're training in the morning before you go to work or you're training when you come home or however your life functions. So it's like, okay, I'm going to, uh, today I'm going to work on this, you know, today. And I've, I, I'll use myself as an example uh, uh, as a negative example on this stuff. So, so I have right now, I don't know, six or seven or eight dogs that I'm force fetching. That's a lot. 
um, at one time. Um, and so I'm in the force fetch mode, right? And I'm going, all right, I got a force fetch. All right, let's start with so-and-so first. I'm going to go get so-and-so and we're going to do a little obedience first. And then I'm going to, and I've got, I know how to do this, right? I've done it a thousands of times. And so I'm going to go do this. And my mind is just overdriving the whole activity. Get, the, get them out of the kennel, put them on the leash, let them pee. All right, now let's walk. Let's do some obedience. Get them in a respectful mindset. Da -da 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 -da. All right, now I'll put them on the force fetch table. Okay, this one wriggles a lot, so make sure you strap them down so they can just sit there. And, and I'm just overdriving the what I need to do thing. And I believe and have found that that is not the optimal way to approach dog training, whether you're training two dozen dogs or one. It's not the way to do it. It's our nature to do that, particularly when we've got full lives and we've got a lot of stuff going and we've got to get things done or we're just type A and we just do everything that way. Another way, at least I would offer this, experiment with this for two weeks. Not, not two days, two weeks. Experiment with a slightly different approach. And I, develop, I know this from experience from so many times doing what I've just said. Okay, I got to get all these dogs done and I got to be at noon. I need to go meet somebody here and we're going to go do this. And so I need to get it done. Chop, chop, let's go. And I leave out the important part. And then when the training session goes, okay, or, you know, eh, not as good as I would have liked, but I'm in a hurry. I got to get going. Okay, I, all of that could have been prevented. One is, I'm going to say, if you're in a hurry, don't train your dog. I, I would say that. If you're in a hurry and you got 10 minutes, take them for a walk. You know, throw some bumpers. Do something that doesn't require much thought on your part. And But if you're going to train your dog and you're in a teaching mode and you're getting them to acquire new responses and new behaviors and new thoughts about things, it would be very useful to you if you stop and took the time it took to do that. Now, dog training shouldn't be a long, lengthy thing. You run out of dog attention. So I'm not telling you, instead of taking 10 minutes, take 40. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in the time that you have, as you go into this, right? for one, catch yourself on the overdrive thing. And okay, I'm gonna make this happen, this happen, this happen, this happen. People that are training dogs to make a lot of money, they have to be like that. So the more dogs you have, the more money you make, and you got to crank, 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 crank. Um, eventually, if people are going to stay in the business for a very long period of time, and they're going to be very good, that goes away. Because in the end, your, your dogs reflect the hurried, non-personal approach that you have. And if you just have one dog and you tend to be kind of amped up and wired up and like to hit it, go, 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 that's not best for this uh, activity and for your dog. So, and I'll just use the, we're going to go do a basic obedience stuff because everybody can relate to that one. Okay, you're going to go do that and you don't have a lot of time, but you want to do this. So again, in your mind, you've already written down in your notebook all right, today I'm going to go do obedience, basic obedience with Fang. And you guys, this could be running uh, technical water blinds. This could be wool breaking. It could be all kinds of the advanced things, okay? 
or it can be the same. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm just using basic obedience so everybody can relate to it. But I'm going to go do basic obedience here with Fang. And I noticed that Fang, when, when we sit, scooches out about 10 degrees, just bottom away from me. Just always, he kind of scooches out a little bit on that. And if I, if I don't pay close attention, sometimes he'll drop over onto one hip a little bit, which is nothing you want him to do because of, especially young dogs, you want those hips square so the muscles are symmetrically developed and symmetrically used. It's not just, oh, they should sit straight just because. There is mechanically a reason for that. So Fang is, he kind of cocks out a little bit, and if I let him, he hops over onto a hip. Could be a lot of reasons for that. He could have some issues, some alignment issues in the hips. You know, if it keeps being a problem, if you notice this, <laughs> then you can uh, you can do something about it. Talk to your vet. There's chiropractic vets that are very good at addressing stuff like that. And it's a big problem with our athletic dogs. But anyway, so you and Fang are going to do this, and you want him to sit straight. And also, when you, he's in front of you and you call him to you and have him sit in front of you, he still does that little kind of a cock-over thing. He, just, he doesn't sit squarely and straight in the lines that he's moving on. So that's what you're going to work on today. So you get that in your head. And so now you're going to go get Fang out. It would be, because you know what you want to get into his, you need to break a habit that he has. And he's not thinking about it. He's not going, you know, I'm going to sit cricket. I just wanted, he's not doing that. He's just sitting the way he sits. And if he does that consistently, then he's been allowed to do that, which means he's been taught to do that. So now you're going to go after this thing that you helped contribute to, the, the slightly cocked out sitting. And so you map out a plan and what you're going to do. And so we're changing some rules on Fang here. We're changing some rules. Now, it may not seem to you at all like that, right? I mean, you're just like, okay, I got to get him sit straight. I want to do this and that. But understand the reason it's happening is because it's been allowed to happen. So you're changing the rules. So you are now sending mixed signals to this dog. So understand that. So if you go to wherever Fang is, where you're going to get him, to get out and do this, just, just pay a lot of attention right now. What other stuff have you taught him that you didn't mean to? So do you go, he's out in the backyard, say, or the kennel, whatever, and he sees you coming, and then he's jumping all over the door of the gate, right? Just jumping and jumping and, and fling some mud on you because he's on the, on the door that you're wanting to open. Right? So he is just sort of mindlessly excited to see you. So we don't have his head where we want it. So you have to notice that if he's doing that. Maybe he just walks up, sits down, and is perfect. Awesome. Take note of that, too. He's already been taught that kind of thing, and that's really good. So then you're going to get him, settle him down if he's all wild and crazy, get the leash on correctly the right way. If you're using choke chains, which you know most of us retriever people do, make sure it's on the correct way. There is a right way and a wrong way to do that so that when you constrict it and let go, it either loosens or it just stays constricted. Make sure that's on correctly. Have that level of detail uh, that you pay attention to. Have him sit. What's he do as soon as you get the leash on? Get up ready to go or not? Does he do that? Okay. Whatever he does, that's what you've taught him. So if you put the leash on and then he's raring to go, then there's another thing that you've taught this dog. 
that you may or, you know, I doubt you like that. It's like, okay, you got the leash on, you know, I'm putting the dummy collar on you because that's our training uniform. What does he do? What does he tell you right there? So if he's kind of out of control right now and kind of doing his own thing, odds are he's going to do that throughout the rest of your work. Not necessarily, but probably. So you've already learned a whole lot about this dog's mindset before you even gotten going on the kind of sit and cockeyed all the time with you. You can also probably see how much of how much of that you've taught him inadvertently and how much other stuff you've taught him inadvertently. You know, by like, yeah, when you see me coming at you for training, get wild, excited, don't pay attention if I call you over, jump, step on me, jump up and down. So you can begin to get a very good understanding for how your training program is going before it even goes. And again, putting the responsibility where it belongs on your shoulders and making a plan right there. You're going to have to go remember to write this down. I've got to write down just getting this dog ready to go train. I need to address some behaviors. I mean, I have to just kind of rein him in like a wild animal to get him, and then all of a sudden he's okay. Is that all right with you? You know, if it is, okay. If it's not, do something about that, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on and on in detail, but the dog is telling you everything before you even get going on this stuff if you are paying attention. If you're in the overdrive mode, then you go wherever Fang is, you got your leash, you fling that thing on, might be right, might be wrong, but anyway, you don't have much time. You put it on there, and he's jumping up and down, and you make him sit down, and you strap all the stuff on, and now you're going to have to jerk him around a little bit, get him serious. And so you teach him this kind of crude, listen, I'm just going to jerk you into submission. I'm not going to act, ask that you stop and think and take in what I'm saying and respond to me and what I'm doing. That's what you get with the overdrive thing. If you sit there and just watch this stuff and go at it real mindfully, that's a word of the time anymore. I just see it everywhere now. It, animals have been that way from the very beginning. Um, if you go at it mindfully, you already see what most of your problems are, what caused them, and many ways to begin to alleviate some of your obedience problems right here, just getting dressed to go do the work. And this goes for all 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 the other stuff the most advanced stuff you're going to go out there and you're going to do some real technical water blinds because you're going to need to do this and your dog is not paying attention and there's so many overt ways that they show you that they'd really rather not be listening to you or they'd really rather go over here okay you've heard the dog's already told you i'm not into this and i'm not into cooperating and so you're going to wait till the water blind to go out there and get after them for not cooperating a lot easier if you keep the problem from even beginning through your observations of your dogs and all of your interactions. I don't, I, I know people are sometimes unaware uh, of the impact that they, that we all have on our dogs. So we, you know, we're at work, we do whatever we do for work, Although anymore, half of us is all at home too. But you you do your work, and then you get lunch, and then you're, and then you oh geez, I gotta go get the dog. So you don't know where he is, and you're hollering for him. There he is, all right. And he slams into the door because he's excited to see you, and you let him in. Yeah, I know. I and you, then you suddenly get real serious about everything, and and you know it's like all right, we're training now, bud. And so 
you jerk them around on a leash and do some stuff, and then you get and you've done good work when you have worked on it, and so the obedience is real good, and your mind is completely on dog training, and then on then you your phone vibrates right, and you're going, oh geez, I forgot I got to call Harry here in another ten minutes, so I need to get and your mind's back on that, and so you get dog and you let him go, and you and then so you train for a little bit, and then you don't train. Right, you're, I trained my dog in obedience. Good. All right, done with that. Now I'm going to get back to this stuff. So you only trained for 10 minutes there while you did that stuff. Your dog, meanwhile, is being trained 100% of the time. Just because you are not thinking of it that way does not mean that they are not learning every step of the way. That's what I always tell people with puppies. You know, you get a little puppy and go, well, just let him be a puppy. Okay, they're learning then. They're learning that they can just do whatever they want and they don't really have to respond or respect you. So because you don't think you're training your dog, they are being trained because they are present. They are watching what you do. They are learning what their role is and how to get what it is they want out of this situation. And some of them learned, learn early as puppies, you know, just try really hard to get what you want and they'll give in. Um, because you know, they're, oh, let him be a puppy. Let's pick him up so he learns to jump on us. Let's, every time he barks, let's let him out or in or out or in or out or in. Or let's just, let's just, whatever they want, their every wish is my desire. Their every desire is what I do. You know, and then you teach them that, and then a little later you get serious, and you're going, all right, I'm going to start training you. We already did. You've already trained these dogs. So no matter what you think, if you're training 10 minutes in the morning, you are training that dog all day long. So if after you finish your 10 minutes, you just kick him out in the backyard again, turn him loose, he's learning. You only have to focus a little bit, and then after that, just do whatever you want. And I don't know where in life that's useful to anything, but that's very often what dogs are, are taught. And only if my voice reaches a certain decibel level or intensity do you need to go, well, maybe I better pay attention. You could teach them just, just when you say something. It it means everything. But generally we don't do that either because our mind is on something else. So all the time you are doing distracted interactions with this dog, you're training them. You're training them that they don't need to pay attention to you, that they don't need to take you seriously, that they know what decibel level. They listen, know all that stuff. And nobody is aware that they have taught all of that to the dog. So be aware of that, that you're training your dog all the time, even when they're not with you and you have them someplace. If they're just running loose and digging holes and barking and playing with other dogs, then they're learning that's kind of what life's about. And every now and then you come annoy them with some little rules bunch of stuff. It, that Or <laughs> they learn that they have a structure in their world like you do. And there's classroom time, and then there's other time, and it's always in a respectful way to your things. And, and it's not ever in a way that, that they just go nutsle. It'd be like sending your kid off to law school, and yet you send them your drug dealer and all the ladies of the evening, you know, for him every weekend because he deserves to rest and have a good time. I don't know if law school is going to work really well. I know, odd example. I always do that. But you, you kind of want them, when they're in law school, to be mostly focused on that. you got to have breaks and you got to enjoy and relax and rest and stuff, but you can't just 
absolutely have the exact mindset somewhere else and then come back in and just really think about your torts really well. So it's, it's that way with our dogs. So what I'm describing here in great length, I think, is your awareness of the situation, your awareness of what you bring to it, your awareness of what your dog is telling you, that they are feeding back. They are feeding back. They are reflecting your work with them 100% of the time. They are reflecting it back. So if you don't like what Fang is doing, stop and think back to where you started to allow that, where basically you taught them by letting them do this. And how? And remember, you're, you're changing rules now. So you just, you, you've sent them mixed signals so they're not sure what the deal is. You know, that's never a good thing to do to any animal or anybody. So that's another thing to think about um, is, you know, what have I done and this dog is this way. But you actually, before you even notice that, if you're in overdrive, aren't going to see any of it. You're going to grab them, get them on the leash. You're going to go do that work you got to do, chop, chop, chop. Yeah, we did six sits and a couple of here's and some heels around the side and call it good and we'll do some more tomorrow. So they just learn, kind of endure this. You don't really learn anything and you can tell what his mood is. So if his voice is like this, you better kind of cower down a little bit. But if it's not, just endure it and it'll be over. That's a lot of times in our training sessions what these dogs learn. And unless that's what you want, you might want to think about it a little more. Be aware of what the dog is feeding to you and what you're feeding to the dog and make sure it's what you want. And make sure that it's not complicated. We're not going to teach five or six things today. We're going to teach sitting squarely. That's what we're going to teach today. You're going to sit squarely. And I'm going to use my healing stick or my little plastic thing to make sure that I tap that hip over so before you sit, you are lined up straight and you stay that way. I'm not doing the obedience lessons here, but you're going to require that they do it the right way. And you're going to have to catch yourself not to let them do it the wrong way anymore because then you're teaching them, eh, sometimes I have you, sometimes I don't, whatever. Just get through it. You don't really want to do that. So the awareness of what you're bringing in, the awareness of what your dog is feeding to you all of the time is going to make you twice the trainer that you would be if you just overdrive everything and you just crank it out and then get on to the next thing. You can, that, that kind of dog shows up all the time. And their attention span is very, very small because yours is. And they don't really have the skill of focus and intensity and staying on a single behavior or task for a while they don't have any of that and when they don't have any of that almost always it's because we don't have any of that when we do our work with them and if you're waiting around for them to get better and figure out what they need to do then you're going to be waiting a long time and then maybe they'll just be old enough that they don't play around as much as they did a puppy so it seems like everything's better but it's not you're teaching them everything here and so we're just talking about mindfulness and awareness so after your notebook and you write down what you want to do now when you actually go to do it try not to go into the overdrive thing but go into okay I'm just going to think about this for a minute and I'm just going to watch this dog for a minute 
and let them tell me, gosh, are they kind of afraid when I went to get them this time? And I don't, you know what I mean? I mean, are they kind of like, oh, I don't want to do this. So what have I done to make it be that way? Or does this dog just not like learning stuff? And so they're always going to feel that way until we get back to the more fun stuff, you know, where birds are flying and things are dropping and all that. It, but you should know the difference. Are you asking too much of your dog or not communicating or changing the rules or being unfair? Or is the dog going, I hate this stuff. <laughs> I just don't, you're going to have to make me do it. it. So you would behave differently with each one of those dogs, but you should know the difference. And the only way you know the difference is by paying attention. So I would say one of the biggest keys, if not the biggest, I'm not sure, to people that are truly effective with dogs, different dogs, different kind of dogs, different situations, are ones that are very introspective about themselves and are aware of what they're bringing into this. And then take in what the dog is feeding back and reflecting back to you, taking responsibility for that, adjusting for it, very simply, always simple, always go to the very root of the problem if you can. Or the behavior, it doesn't even have to be a problem. It has to be something you just aren't real happy with, wish was a little bit better. And think about that just a little bit. And if it's very confusing, which it can be sometimes, I know that, you know, when you're like, I don't know, it could be all these different things, then simplify it down to one very, very simple thing, like the sit thing with Fang. Fang is wild and crazy. I have, So I'm just going to do heel and sit, and he has to sit straight every time. I'm just going to collect his mind on this one thing and collect my mind on this one thing and get it good. And I'm going to get it where it's good days in a row where this becomes the habit, not the canting out a little bit over to the side. Just go after one thing. And when you begin to collect your thoughts and the dog's thoughts, the other things become the things that were complicated and so overwhelming, get a little bit better and get a little bit easier. So this goes from the most simple, basic leash work to the most exotic, fancy things that you've got. It always isolates to very, very simple things. And the fact that your dog is always reflecting back to you what you have given to them. So write that one down. Keep that in your mind. It's, it's unpleasant because it puts all the responsibility on you. So if that's not cool and we just want to blame the dogs, I'm not your podcast. You have to, there's a lot of other places you can go where they man up and show them who's boss. So that's the third, third one in these. I think I'll have one more on this, maybe a kind of a completion thing. And then I want to do another, I'm going to do another series. It's a dead of winter here, so I can kind of do this stuff because there's, everyone's just hunting and having a good time. I'm going to do another series when I finish this one on building a dog. I've just thought about this for months now, and I'm going, nah, I don't do that. People aren't going to want to hear that. And, you know, if somebody doesn't want to hear it, they can just turn this off. But I'm going to talk about just my opinion, my take, my experience on building a dog. And by that I mean, and I mean this with all the respect in the world, they're not like something that I make into whatever I want. But building a dog is going to be where you take that eight-week-old puppy that you bring home, that is just a clean slate. You know, they're just little dogs. They don't know anything. They don't, they just don't know anything other than mom and siblings and eating and pooping and running around. That's all they know. And, and you get them now where you want to make this animal into 
this life partner, you know, whatever that looks like for you, maybe just a pet, um, maybe a, a running buddy, maybe a competitive dog, maybe just a hunter, just a hunter. Like that's anything less than all than, you know, the biggest competitive dog. It's all the same to me. But whatever you want, how do we take the raw material of this dog and turn it into the optimum animal that this little thing can be? How do you do that? And what are the elements of that? Because it's not just a dog that's compliant and does what you tell them. It's a dog that believes in what it's doing, loves it with great passion, believes that you're 100% teamwork. And how do you do that? And you know, it starts day one. And I know I've had people, some of my dear friends say, you cannot pick a puppy. And I was like, right, some people cannot. That's true. Some people can. It all depends on what kind of vision you got. But you can get a puppy that's good for you, and then you can build this thing. Um, and I've done it interspecial, you know. <laughs> I mean, well, interbreedal here. You know, I've done a, a zillion retrievers. I've done three dachshunds, all of whom did great things. I've, I've had uh, Dobermans, Great Pyrenees, Heinz 57 Mutts, a number of dogs that I have personally, uh, with very different animals very different motivations very different everything and you build them differently but you still build them and it's just a and those of you that have done that know exactly what I'm talking about it is just a great pleasure you can't build your kid because they're too independent they think for themselves and they you can't put them in a kennel so <laughs> you can't really you can Give a kid every opportunity and, and role model and all that stuff. But a dog, you can kind of help build because they need you for so much stuff and they always will need you. And so it's, it's a, and when you make them into something that, you know, that they just love their life and they just adore you and they are very happy and enthusiastic to do whatever it is you want. That's a really lot of fun. So I'm going to have a little series on ideas about dog building. So that's it for today very cold uh, in most places. So I hope everybody's keeping their dog's feet safe, wear vests in the cold water. And uh, you know, by the time they tell you they're cold, they're way cold. So be real careful about all that stuff. Make sure they're not fat, keep them as fit as possible. They're athletes and uh, give them dog power bars during the day if you're working them real hard so that they can, you know, keep the blood sugar where it needs to be. So all the best to everybody. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Maybe on the next one I'll have a G update. She's getting bored to death just doing ordinary stuff. And uh, we will be back soon.